The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. And welcome to 5G Talent Talk. My name is Carrie Charles, and I will be your host today for another phenomenal episode that I have planned for you. So my guest today is Minya Gavrilovic. He is the president and CTO of Galtronics. Minya, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Carrie. Nice to be here. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about your career path and how you got to where you are today in the seat that you're in. Sure. Again, thanks for having me on this podcast. And yeah, my career actually certainly wasn't a conventional one. So I do come from a technical background. I'm an engineer. I've got a bachelor's in engineering. In many ways, I'm a competitive guy. And I decided to do a graduate degree in one of the hardest subjects that all electrical engineers hate, which is electromagnetics which leads us to the path of RF and antennas. So I got a graduate degree. I got a PhD from McGill University in Montreal. That's up in Canada, where I live. And I started off as a design engineer in that field, very technical. There's a lot of PhDs. There's a large percentage of PhDs in the RF and antenna field. And my first job was actually in the space industry at a company called MDA, that was a renowned antenna group in the world. Actually, it's probably one of the best antenna groups in the world that still are, where I spent many years in design and working in the space business, designing antennas for space applications with mechanical engineers, thermal engineers, structural engineers, which is a great environment, great place to cut your teeth into detailed design. I did migrate to a different area. In 2007, I decided to leave that company and try something else. And I moved into the telecom world at that time. So I joined a small company in Ottawa, which is a two-hour drive from Montreal, that not just that was in the telecom world, but was also a product management role. So it was a real shift for me. And it was nothing to do with the old company. It's just, I wanted something different. And now this got me in front of customers and in charge of marketing in charge of product definition, which was great for my career. So it really moved me onto the business side of things. And after that, I spent a number of years doing that and moved into engineering leadership roles from manager to VP of engineering roles, again, with that same company where I ran the entire engineering group. And then I put it all together when I came to Galtronics just over five years ago, as the chief technology officer at that time. So I put together that customer interaction with the technical background, marry it together, and that became you know, CTO. And over the years, as things evolved, I took over PL of the company, I became the president as well. I still like to wear the CTO hat because that's what my background was, but I am the world leader of the company as well. So again, a lot of time spent in detailed design, but also in front of the customer and sales as well. So kind of put everything together now and where I am today. Wow. I'm sure you'll always be an engineer at heart, right? <laughs> I will. I will never migrate too far from that, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. So tell me more about Galtronics, your products, the customers that you serve, a little bit about how it's structured. Yeah. So it very much is an antenna company. It is an old antenna company. We've been around, I don't know the exact count, it's going to be near 45 years soon. 
we've done a lot of different antennas. I won't talk about all the different types and the ones that look like walkie-talkie through what we have today. But we have three business units in general. So we have one that does mobile antennas, like for your cell phone, handset antennas. We're the number one supplier to one of the biggest smartphone suppliers in the world. So we all we do all the antennas in there from Wi-Fi to the 5G antennas to the Bluetooth, whatever you want that are in those devices. And that's a business that is a standalone business unit run out of Korea. We have another product uh, business unit that's called the Embedded Business Unit, the Embedded Antenna Business Unit. And there, that covers a wide swath of applications. We go from applications from embedding antennas into IoT devices to, it could be in your coffee maker, to automotive applications, to 5G, integrated 5G antennas, which we have and are delivering. But also, I think our bread and butter there is really high-end home connectivity solutions for like Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E, eventually Wi-Fi 7. And these things are really important. The design of the antenna is huge in that field, allowing super fast connectivity once people start moving to gaming and the metaverse and things like that at the home that are going to gobble up bandwidth. So that's the second business unit. The third and last business unit is the one that we call wireless infrastructure, I guess the closest one when we talk about 5G. So that's the telecom market. And there we serve, we design antennas that are actually standalone antennas for 4 and 5G applications. And there we do things that are used in the DAS, in building small cell and the macro antenna space. And our customers are the carriers, the wireless carriers. We're approved, although we're a global business, we are approved by the big top three tier one carriers in the US. So those are our customers, as opposed to the customers for our embedded business that tend to be the suppliers of the gateways, the extenders that are supplying the multiple system operators in the US and globally as well. So in the infrastructure business, we're working a lot with the end customer where the other one's more of an OEM type business. So what 5G technologies are unique to Galtronics? Really, our key strength at Galtronics is engineering what others can't, right? So one of our tier one customers that we supply everything to in the field asked us to do a very small antenna. It was a two-inch, call it a whip antenna. It was actually a small cell antenna and a really small form factor. And no one had been able to do it that worked well for him in a volume type manufacturing environment. But now they wanted LAA, license assist, technology built in there as well, 5 gigahertz. That was hot a few years ago. That's losing favor now. And we were able to do that in three months and get them the product in their hands. And that tier one was so impressed by how quickly we developed it, not just the actual product, but that it was different technology that others can't. But that really defines a little bit about what our strength is and what's unique to us. So we're best known for DAS and venue products at Galtronics, but we're also a leader in the small cell space. We have a ton of small cell antenna canisters that are approved by the vendors. Again, probably one of the biggest ones in the space. We have macro antennas, but again, while we protect everything with patents, there are companies that market themselves saying, we have this technology. No, no, we don't have this technology. We, our secret sauce is not the technology, but it's our ability. That's our secret sauce. We can design anything. And to give you an example, I brought like a, yeah, I thought we'd get into this, brought a couple of physical examples. So. We oh my goodness, it's show and tell. I oh, love this. <laughs> it looks like a salad bowl, but it's not. So this is an indoor DAS antenna traditional that goes on a seal, 
right? And it hooks up right on a ceiling somewhere and radiates downwards in an omnidirectional way. This is a DAS product. Well, we tried to do something that looks similar this way. And that's our antenna, by the way, but that's this thin. So, you know, it's barely thicker than a sheet of paper. This can get installed in the ceiling and you can barely tell it's there. So it's serving the same purpose. At the end of the day, one thing that's common, and I won't take offense about it, antennas are ugly, right? So this is less ugly. So whatever is less ugly <laughs> is good. So we have this small, thinnest in class for antenna now available to customers that we developed in the last year that's covering 600 band, all the FDD and TDD bands from 600 right to 4.2 gig C band in this one antenna. SISO, MIMO, all these applications. But from a flip side, there's not a lot of company that offers this, but then this bad boy right behind here. So what is this giant thing that's the size of a billboard? And unfortunately, the physics tells me I can't make this much smaller, but this is a AWS PCS Bag 41 multi-beam antenna. So it is a multi-beam antenna as a panel. It's a macro antenna that radiates six different beams in six different directions. And that's existed before. Um, we're not the first ones to do multi-beam. But what this is, is the best-in-class multi-beam that those beams that people deploy with existing products tend to move around with frequency. And as they move with frequency, your performance is ruined. So we found a way to design this thing without those beams moving. And there are solutions that do that that are much, much more expensive than this type of technologies that work well, but this is doing it at a price that the carriers can now afford. And again, with that huge performance improvement. And on top of that, we've put it kind of in a badass case. We knew people, we, we like to listen to our customers in real detail. We knew that they put them up and take them down up and all the time. So an idea that we have that's also IP protected is actually ruggedization of this thing. If you see the corners, have these bumpers on top, there's these little U brackets that protect the connectors. You can't see them as well. But we have handles in the back. And this thing's a bit of a tank because, again, these are premium antennas. They go up and down on these like temporary sites. And if people are invested to buy them, they should protect their assets. So we feel strongly about that. So, again, something unique. But it is, again, something – it's not about that one technology. It's about the ability to develop those technologies. Multi-beam is going to be part of our story. It's going to be part of the 5G solution for us in the future as well. And we're glad that we have it. But we're not stopping there. It's really the people. So that's exciting. I love that you said that. It's not the technology. It's our ability to design anything. And that sounds like an exciting career for someone who is engaged by the future and especially for an engineer that's looking for some really cool projects. Let's talk about the culture, the company culture of Galtronics. And you mentioned people. Let's look at what makes it a great place to work for your team. Yeah. Well, before I talk to the internal team, like we always connected also to people, which is the customer. It sounds cliche. We, we do things for a customer. Everybody thinks it's for a customer. But at the end of the day, we exist because of the customer, right? But right. we try to stay really close to the customer. Like I'm president CTO. I am regularly meeting people, the customers face-to-face. I'm not talking about other execs and VPs and AVPs from the carriers. I'm talking about directors, managers, RF engineers directly. I will go meet with them directly. I want to see them face-to-face because these are people in the trenches. Not only are they making the decisions, but they're the ones who are solving the problem. And we're trying to help them. 
And we want them to know that we're working with them in detail. So whatever company we work with, we have a tight relationship with them that they can contact us. So that flows back into our company culture. So we're a very sales-driven culture, a very open culture. Our sales force has a lot of access to engineering. In many companies, it's purposely siloed, right? To protect, oh, they're going to distract the engineering team. We try to do things in a way that we integrate them. So our culture is that our engineers are becoming sales-focused and part of that decision-making process. So we want our engineers working with our salespeople, even talking to customers. And that's a little bit rare. You don't find that in a lot of companies. You know, There's a lot of channels, product management, which I know well, but we find this works well. So as an engineer, you can get close to the customer. You can see what the customer is doing and what they really want because you're the one developing the technology. So for our company, they can really expect to be part of the broader solution. So if they want to kind of tuck away at a corner and never see anything that's possible, but that's not what we encourage. We want everybody's part of the team here at Deltronics, whichever the business unit is. We try to do that in both. That's part of this entire shift that we're seeing in the workforce is that people with technical skills, such as engineers and IT, I mean, they've traditionally been, you know, like you said, just kept in just stay there, do your work. You're not going to interact with people necessarily. What we're finding in staffing is that we're getting more and more requests that for soft skills, for technical people to have soft skills and that it's important because they are customer facing and it's just a new world. And it's interesting that you said that you are a perfect example of that at a higher level, right? I mean, are you seeing that as well? Like technical people, there's more soft skills and people skills that are required now to be successful? We are, we are. I want to see it more. I do want to see it more. I say if we look at like kind of what we're seeing in terms of trends lately, the big one is really with COVID, right? This environment has changed it all for us. And as facilitators, things like this is really the trend online, right? I'm the three billionth person who said this, right? Right. Online and how do you keep people interested and engaged in this environment? before we can get to the soft skills is, is really allowing flexibility and understanding. And I say understanding, it's like two different ones, right? So flexibility in work from home, which is very challenging in our business, right? In our business, it's hardware business. There are software companies, it's easy to work from home. Here, engineers design something on a computer, they work with their colleagues who try to source parts, order it, and then they build it in the lab. The engineers are working with technicians and assemblers to assemble it and then tune it. And then that's an iterative process and then transfer it to production to get it production ready overseas. And that's the connection between those parts and product development can get slowed down by online. It certainly can. And honestly, if anybody argued differently, I would challenge that, but it doesn't mean that you can't give that flexibility. So there are part times that you can give that flexibility from working from home. So things that we didn't have available when we were when I went through the process, right? So I, again, it was new to me. I never worked from home before. Understanding is something different. Understanding is, it might be allowing someone to work from home, but it also might be giving someone what we haven't done enough of in the pandemic, right? There's been people with lockdown. There's been people who are really scared and there's people who really value their freedoms, right? Whichever way you are, we haven't done enough as humans is understanding between each other, right? And what we try to do in the companies have this understanding. We have protocols that we follow according to governments and 
whatever best practices, ZDC, and we do all that. But within those boundaries, we try to have an understanding that that one employee might be really scared and maybe they have someone that's susceptible at home to COVID for some reason or something, whatever it else may be. Whereas another one wants their freedom. We try to accommodate that both people have that. And again, something we probably lack overall in all of humanity now is a little bit more understanding. We try to do that. So we know people are pretty different. So we think that helps. Yeah. And understanding too, I'll go a step further that leaders today in order to attract, retain, and engage talent, need empathy, understanding and empathy, exactly what you said. The way you said it was perfect because that's what people need. And they're gravitating to companies that have that empathy and that understanding, and they're leaving companies that don't. So I'm really excited to hear that Galtronics has that part of understanding and empathy. So with telecom really in the midst of digital transformation, Are you seeing any new tech skills, let's say, that are different than before that are needed now in our world, or maybe some on the horizon that, let's say, someone listening is thinking, oh, I need to upgrade my tech skills, or I need to upgrade to this certification, or what do I need to have in order to be marketable in the future? Well, in tech skills, it's gone one way that engineering today has things that were never there when I finished engineering a long time ago in the 90s. So they have these hybrid programs where someone can do a little bit of from one field to the other field. And the combination of things makes things interesting. So uh, a wild example is uh, mechanical engineering skills both together. Or someone who does hard work who knows how to program and do firmware. Just things that are traditionally siloed siloed areas and skill sets will help coming together in today's age. That said, on the flip side, what I'm noticing that I've been a little disappointed by, and I blame myself as kind of a sales industry leader, is we see a lot of graduates coming from schools that, especially PhDs, that are phenomenal, they've done some exceptional things. And I like analogies. So they come in, they show us this amazing cake they've baked, right? So they have the cake, it's the icing, it's great, it's great. Okay. Do you know what flour you put in that cake? And they're like, uh, 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 they're missing some of the fundamentals. And it's not all their fault. It's a lot of the universities put them through the rigmarole. It was like that when I did my bachelor's, but there's such a rush to get so much done that a little bit of the fundamental principles is lost. And we'd like to see some of that back because it's the fundamentals that allow you to be creative, to design things that haven't been done before. So as I always try to push my engineers and my VPs of engineering who push on to their engineers is you're not always going to find the answer in a, in a published paper, right? It's going to come here. You have boundary conditions of stuff you can do, IP, papers, and public, that's fine. But it's really your basis and understanding that's going to allow you to be creative to design something that's not there. So those fundamentals, and as people in industry, we need to feed back to academia, especially if you them, that can't be forgotten. So that's an important part. The last one, I think we don't teach, and you mentioned it before, soft skills, right? Communication, huge. And this is not unique, but as you probably know, you deal with a lot of engineers, they're quirky personalities, right? So (laughs) we are that for sure. Our communication is not great. And people thought, wow, now I'm working on Microsoft Teams or Zoom, and I don't have to communicate as hard. Well, you know what? It gets that much worse. That's what I've seen. So... Not necessarily here, but think about Twitter, right? How 
toxic and explosive that can be. Well, why? Because not everybody's going to go on camera like you and I are doing now, right? They're off camera. The written word can be a little divisive and short sentences can be misinterpreted by colleagues and things can go a different way than they would have been face-to-face. So what we thought was now super efficient can lead to bigger misunderstandings. So that's not a good place to be. And I wish, and I, you know, I'd love to look into this for our own company, is teaching people how to communicate properly via email. You don't have to have a 10-page long email to communicate something or a three-line sentence that may appear inflammatory. We have divisions in China, Vietnam, Korea, USA, Canada, and working with people in Europe. We're all over the place. We have different cultures, we have different time zones, different people, different education levels. How to deal with people through communication would be huge. And I haven't seen a lot of proper implementation of that in any company. I think that should grow, not, not subside with the digital transformation. A hundred percent agree. In fact, every time I speak, I suggest to people take responsibility for your own training and education, take communications courses, read books on communication. If you're not getting it in school or in your company, just take that on that you're going to learn and you're going to master that skill. It's interesting. You said this about communication because we just kicked off a whole training series for our team at Broadstaff on communication. And I was teaching that this morning, communication skills and strategies because it is crucial in today's world. And some candidates, they feel like, well, if I have the experience and if I have the skill, that's it, I'm good. But it goes way beyond that. And hiring managers are asking and demanding good communication skills now. So agree with you 1000%. Minya, I'm curious, have you seen over the years engineering change in telecom? Like how has it changed? I don't know if I would say it's changed so much because, again, I transferred to telecom from space. I, I can right. tell you how it is today, and I don't know if it's changed it that much from the past, but I'll tell you what drove me to this business, what I love about this business is this is really about proximity to the customer. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like about the space business, and again, some of the best engineers I've ever met, like I love my old colleagues, they're like amazing in the space business, but what I hated was you develop something, you sold it to like a prime contractor, and I never heard what it did or how it did. It's done, gone. And it's, I can't see it, it's gone in space. <laughs> right. In telecom business, I get to talk to the customer who's actually using the product. Not just, I'm not talking to just the Ericsons and the Kias. I'm talking to the operator who says, we've done this and it's worked this well. It pumps me up when I walk through an airport and I see Galtronics antennas all over it, or I see mine on a cell phone tower or a streetlight. I love that. And you know, a story went up to the previous company and I was heading up engineering and I was walking down the street with my dog and my wife and I knew one of our antennas were on a cell phone tower nearby and it had a funky beam shape for whatever reasons there was that we designed it into and the signal level would drop at a certain level and I was walking and measuring with my phone because you can, it is in the settings, you can measure the actual power you're getting from the reception. And I could recreate what the beam shape was like by walking on the street from my provider locally. One thing my wife thought was like such a geek. Anyway. But anyway, besides that, it was so cool that I go, this is data I'm getting on my mobile that's connecting me to the technology that we had developed. I love that. And that's telecom. And again, especially in the antenna field, it's not a black box. We're getting to hear how it works. On the Wi-Fi side, we validate our antennas through OTA testing in a test house that we have. So we do throughput testing. So we're not 
testing with the customer because the customer could be an actual any person at a residence, but we're doing the exact tests that as someone as you would employ an extender and am I getting good coverage and what is the throughput and like that we do those actual tests. So really real world performance feedback to the engineer is something they can expect. And that's what I love about the business. Mm, what a sense of accomplishment, really that satisfaction. And I know engineers that, well, we all, we all want that sense of accomplishment and being able to see the results of the lives we're changing or, you know, just the results of our work is so, so special and meaningful. So what interesting trends are you seeing in 5G as it pertains to antennas? The obvious one would be integration with antennas. So a lot of antennas have become integrated with radio companies. Another one would be millimeter waves. Millimeter waves has its place. It's what the trends we're seeing today with millimeter wave are the realities of physics, right? So it's a very high frequency, but it's a very small wavelength, less millimeter waves. That's going to interfere. It's going to get in, interfered by with bushes or branches. It doesn't propagate well. It really has its niche application. So unless you have line of sight, where you have a high gain antenna, or you have an environment that you have clear line of sight, you've got to plan around the realities of the physics. And I think carriers are starting to realize that. There was a lot of early excitement to say, wow, millimeter wave is going to be the be all end all. And I think people have become much more pragmatic about that. For the integrated antennas, again, that we're in the midst of it, right? So people are deploying, you know, depending on the frequency, but mostly in the US C band, lower frequency that does propagate better. In that case, that we do work on those type of antennas with OEMs. I think there's an excitement about those things like Massive MIMO, the words Massive MIMO, 64 where your beams are moving up and down, left and right, as an elevation, informing, fantastic. But what I think there is going to happen is, think about it this way, if you had Amazon and you're Jeff Bezos and you want all your drivers to get there a little bit more efficiently, but I'm going to buy the Maseratis. And wow, my Maserati goes zero to 60 miles an hour in like three seconds, but I can only go 35 miles an hour in that neighborhood. So. Am I really getting an advantage? Right? And I'm overblowing it. These antennas are remarkable and not the price of Maserati. But the point <laughs> is, are the gains from that balancing with the economics of other solutions like AT8R or different ones that can be done in a more cost-efficient manner? So I think there's a lot of excitement saying, let's deploy this everywhere. I think the economics are going to catch up a little bit with it. And that's going to drive them to make other types of choices. And that's a trend that I think we will see, but they're in the midst of this massive minor wave of deployment. And another one for 5G would, how could I not mention Open RAN? So ORAN is big. Some people, I think, are scoff at it at the end of the day, but with the players invested in it, the amount of money they're like, invested in, I know of at least 22 different Open RAN new vendors coming into play. And again, monster companies, you got to take it seriously. And... Will that open standard, will it get the incumbents to change the open standard? Will the carriers embrace them? The other thing that we have to talk about, the last one about 5G is, well, how about non-carriers, right? So how about private networks and private 5G and before that private LTE, which is growing and could be a target for the open RAN players coming in. So that fourth one as well, private 5G is growing. That has its own set of requirements and different players in this game. So all interesting things happening. The thing that's good for us is we can supply them all and work with all. So we're happy to 
But yeah, it's going to see interesting how that pans out with a different customer base now and different radio vendors coming out the market. What about you? What excites you about the future? Well, certainly the dreams of wireless in the 90s is coming true now. Everything's wireless, right? And there's just more and more wireless devices, which is just getting good for a company like electronics. And I'm a wireless guy now. And that's obviously very exciting because we can play in all these worlds. I think, honestly, what excites me is the thing that people are scared about. So what people are scared about in our industry, like we've been trying to help staff some positions and you find so many people, like even salespeople, um, our industry started really booming in the 90s, right? And people were in the midst of it in the 90s. There's a lot of people going outside the workforce now and retiring. And a lot of people are long in the tooth in this industry. And it's become a challenge, right? So replacing them or missing a big block of qualified staff. So what excites me is bringing other people aboard. It's really going to be the youth. It defines everything. It defines the country, what we do. It's going to define technology. So the youth excites me. It's the newcomers, the next generation. He's saying working hand in hand with the people who've been around the block, which I hope continue to work and not retire. Don't retire, guys or gals. Stay in the workforce because it's fun. We have a really cool job and working with younger people who are going to be the engines for growth is going to be critical. And what excites me, it's not one product and then maybe this is the competitive nature. It's not the one that I've designed. It's the one that I haven't. The one that that's what drives me. That's what keeps the fire burning. That's what get, brings me to work every day because what's the one I haven't even thought of yet? Like I don't get upset when a competitor come up, comes up with something that I didn't. I think about what can I do that's better that they have to come up with. It's thinking competitively like that. And definitely not a me too type guy. It's like, what can we do that's different? And I think engineers, especially the way it is here in the US and Canada, we've got to use that creative ability to come up with new solutions that are going to make our customers more competitive against their competitors. So, Okay, let's talk about the one you haven't designed yet. So if anything was possible, all right, blank slate, you could design anything right now, what would it be? Honestly, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Like, obviously, I'd love things to be multi-technology. If you go outside our business, back to the space business, there's a whole huge problem with SATCOM antennas with terminals and panels that go on you know, people's houses or vehicles that track these Leo constellations, if you know about that stuff. They're extremely expensive. And Elon Musk has mentioned that that's one of the biggest challenges to SpaceX. And the business case is going to be challenged and pressured if they don't resolve the cost problem they have. Very sophisticated antennas. Well, those antennas are very similar to millimeter wave laser pointer antennas. So what can we do in technology that pairs together different systems and do our worlds pair together in some way technologically? That would be interesting. It's wild. You've got to think that it may happen in the future. So that would be certainly interesting. Okay, great. So whoever's listening to this, let's say five years from now, they're going to say, Minya called it. He called it. <laughs> so let's talk about the future of Galtronics and the vision. So someone may say, like the antenna companies, they go, well, what's going to happen with antennas? They're all going integrated. I think that's really mislabeling what may really happen. I think there's a lot of learning to be done in how we're going to deploy in the next few years, what technology, what the customer base is going to be like. So partnerships with people in different technologies, radio vendors, open RAM vendors, whoever, 
are part of the Galtronics vision survey. So we do talk to potential partners to get into different areas that go beyond antennas and that excite us. And I do see that in our future. That said, our strengths are ones we have to double down on. If we think it's going to be a be-all, end-all antenna, that you have a C-band, you know, massive mile antenna that's supplied by a regular OEM, that you're done. Well, don't forget about all that 600, 700, 800 spectrum, AWS, PCS, all this FDD that we've spent, that carried and spent billions on that are all different shapes and sizes that you can't just throw a massive mitochondrial antenna around that you want to use. And now with different types of customers coming in, like private 5G, that aren't necessarily the carriers only, they're going to drive different requirements. So what is that going to do? It's going to drive us to have to have innovations for many different customers in a very different type of way. And what we've done best as a company is design things either super innovative or very quickly. Well, that quick and speed, what this industry was in the 90s, which was designing like three models for a bunch of carriers, design the same type of antenna to thousands and thousands of sites, that's going to change. This is going to be a high skew, high model environment for different applications. And the companies that can adapt and do this quickly in an innovative way are going to succeed. And that's a bit of a sweet spot for electronics. And I feel good about that. I think we're going to continue to do that and we're going to evolve quickly. And the fact that we can is going to be an advantage in the future. So I'm sure you're hiring and we talked a little bit about that earlier. So where can the audience go to learn more about Galtronics, jobs available and everything, all the wonderful products and everything you're up to? Yeah, obviously your website is a good place to start, galtronics.com. We post our jobs, we are hiring, we are hiring engineers, we're hiring salespeople and other roles as well, on and off. We post on LinkedIn as well. We have a LinkedIn presence that we take advantage of. Sometimes locally, depending on where we hire, maybe it's like indeed.com or something like that. But the website's great. We hired someone who cold called us on the website. That was great. A unique talent. And they just approached us to the website through a contact us and they made it its way through. And like, we're going to give this person an offer. And yeah, don't be shy. Come to us. We need people. It's a great place to work. And I think our people have a lot of fun here. So. Minya, this has been wonderful. I learned a lot. I learned, I could just talk to you forever. I love the way you use analogies. It really made sense to me. I so appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. You take care. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.